You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Heavenly Father, today we stand before you in worship. Lord, as we look into your word, we ask that you would speak to our hearts beyond the noise, beyond our fears, beyond our pain, beyond pride, beyond our intellects, beyond what we think we know, beyond every voice. We ask, Heavenly Father, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts. Let none of us live here the same. Lord, you see every single one of us, where we are, where we've been. Heavenly Father, when we come into your presence like this, this is our refuge. You are our shelter. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for anointing to make the preaching, the teaching, hearing, and the doing of your word easy. We give you thanks, our Father, in Jesus' name. Because we shout a big amen. A huge amen. Amen. Help me ask the person next to you all their names and all that, because you might be talking to them in the course of the service. If you know their name already, ask them for their middle name. If you know their middle name already, ask them for their nickname. Um, now that you know their name, would you please look them in the eye and tell them hi, so, 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 and tell them God loves you. Femi, stop ignoring your wife. <laughs> tell your husband I love, God loves you. Uh, all right. Okay. All right. So uh, for the last couple of months, I've been wanting to teach a bit about um, the history of the church. Um, and this was for a number of reasons because I kind of realized that um, we sometimes in this generation behave as if we are the first generation of the church as if the faith started with us yeah as if we just you know, the Bible the Bible was emailed to a couple of us and we're like, ah Bible you know and then we've started a conversation but what happens is that um, one of the benefits of history is that you do not make the mistakes that generations before have made. One of the benefits of history is that there are certain things which you have context for the things that you do. Um, I didn't really like history when I was in school. Um, I was more like, you know, a science student, you know. No, 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 not like, not, not, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> No, 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 let's, let's, uh, not in that, <laughs> not in, I was in science class, that was better, all right. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> still early in the message for that. <laughs> but, uh, so I got like math, literature I liked, uh, but when it came to things like history, I just kind of thought, but nowadays I'm trying to catch up because I realize that there's lots of stuff I do not know. Right. There's lots of stuff I do not know. Where, how, what has happened with the church? Where did the church come from? There's a, a huge long line. There's a long line between that whole experience in the upper room in Jerusalem years ago and all this dark room worship at Life Point Church thousands of years later. 
So when Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and begins to preach, in that speech, in that whole message that Peter is preaching about, if you listen closely, he talks about a young man called P.I. who will also be preaching one day. Yeah, yeah he does. You just have to look properly, listen properly. When Jesus, <laughs> when he speaks and is preparing for the church and it's talking about in John 17, he's praying for the church. If you would listen closely, you would hear him talk about Fikemi. Yeah, you would hear him. He might not pronounce it right, but he would because it's like he's all-knowing. But he would, you would hear him mention Falabi's name. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul begins to say, look, we are not a disconnected entity. It says we are building upon the foundations of apostles and prophets. The church is not an orphan. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, if you read the Passion Translation, it says, but you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God devoted ones, God's devoted ones. It says, be called out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would boast you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. The church is God's people. The word is ecclesia, the called out ones. A spiritual nation. So over the next couple of weeks, we would, you know, we would go back in time. And it promises to be quite exciting. I've been struggling as we prepare to figure how do you collapse hundred of years in approximately 30 minutes of message time well it feels like 30 minutes to me don't look at me like that <laughs> you know but I'm trusting God that he would let us talk about the things that are really important for someone in the next couple of weeks you will feel your faith shift you would literally feel your faith shift you would feel it grow and you would feel it shit because you would suddenly understand why some of the things that are happening now are happening. Oh, by the way, on the Wednesdays, uh, we would do something like a small tour. Have you ever gone on a, we used to call it like, they used to, not we, a, a pub crawl. <clears throat> no, club crawl. I like Christians, we deny everything. But essentially when you did a pub crawl, they would put a map and you would go from one bar to another. I like the way all of you are looking at me like, really, Pierre, you don't know it. I'm the one that knows it. It's okay, yes, I used to see it. But they would go from one bar to another, you know. So we would go from one church to another on the Wednesdays. And how are we going to do this? Falabi, I described, did you guys have pubs in Yokota? Eh? Packs, pack, bars. You could bar. You had joints. You didn't have bars. <laughs> you had one joint in Abiyakuta. Alright, but we would, if you read through the book of Revelations, you would see that at some point God begins to speak to different churches. 
He would speak to one in Philadelphia and he would tell them one thing and he would speak to one in Ephesus. So we're going to make stops at the different churches on Wednesdays. So you don't need a visa for this travel. Just show up. But as we contemplate what those discussions on Wednesdays, one thing that I've been praying is that we would receive feedback as a church and as individuals. Truth be told, I believe that Christians are actually scared to hear God talk to them. If God shows up and says, let me just tell you about your life. Because it's like report card day, right? And I don't know about you, not everybody really likes report card day. You know, some of you, I mean, you're like, yeah, give me my A1s, you know. I'm happy for you. But for the rest of us, report card day wasn't just seeing the results of what you know you had done. It was also the contemplation, how do I take this home? What do I say? 46, how? <laughs> and so typically when men stand before God, they want to talk. So when we pray, 99% of the conversation is us. And when God says, mm, Look, that's fine, Lord. Hope you heard what I said. When God shows up before Israel, they tell Moses, no, 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 no. Tell him not to show up again. But I believe that it is also one of the most powerful things that can happen to you as a Christian is to hear God talk to you about you. About where you've been, about where you are and where you're going. And so that's my prayer for us on the Wednesdays. That as we hear him talk to the churches, that you would literally begin to see him write you a note. He would say, Dear Ejiro, how are you? Love the beards, by the way. Are we quarreling? I, I, can't, I, can't, I can actually, I can go on. <laughs> but you would hear God literally. So for Wednesdays, if you've not come for a midweek service, please try and come. But on the Sundays, we will take it one era after another. And so today, we want to start with something we call, or I call the church in the shadow. Right. And because, yes, we all know when the church started. Yeah. Jesus is sent to die for our sins. Right. And we we would look, I think we would join that part of the story next Sunday when Jesus dies, 12 disciples are left. Jesus says, hey, go to the upper room, wait. And that is the birthing of the church. But today, uh, I kept feeling that we needed to go back into time because if you do that, there is half of the Bible that you haven't looked at. And I began to realize that before the church, as we know it today, started, there was what you would call a shadow church. It's like, a, like the preview before the movie. Like those exam questions where they would draw something for you 
and they would use an example to tell you about how to solve it. The era when they, they knew something was coming. They knew that God was going to save mankind. That he was not going to leave mankind in, in sin, under the clutches of sin. He, they knew that. And the picture, it was like God began to put clues everywhere. He would begin to use what historians or what theologians will call types and shadows. Before Jesus shows up, there's a lot about him already. So you would see, for example, one time the Israelites are dealing with, with sickness and all and, and God says, look, construct this brazen serpent. And he says, if you look at it, healing will come. At another time, God has a conversation with Abraham. And he says, look, I want to change the world. And then one day he says to him, I'm going to give you a son. And then he says, hey, would you take this son and would you sacrifice him? That conversation between Abraham and God is more than just a test of Abraham's faith. Because on that mountain, as that man takes what God has, his only begotten son, and literally offers him up, he prophesies about Jesus. And so before the church comes, Israel shows up. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5 talks about how God walks with types and shadows. And I read it in the Amplified. It says, they serve as a pattern and foreshadowing of what its true existence and reality in the heavenly things if, it says, look, it's a foreshadowing. There was, the church is about to be birthed, but God is, he's laying patterns. He's showing shadows. You, so your shadow is not you. We all have shadows. When you stand, we're too busy in Lagos to look at our shadows anymore, but typically, when you stand in the sun, there's a shadow of sorts. In fact, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 17, again, I read in the Amplified, it says, such things are only a shadow of what is to come. It says, and they only have symbolic value. It says, but the substance, the reality of what is foreshadowed belongs to Christ. And so as we look at the history of the church this morning, I need to point us towards Israel. I think we should all visit Israel if we have the chance. Because Israel's work with God was a prophecy about the church. Israel was a preview. In fact, when you read through the New Testament, you see constant references. Romans 15 and verse 4. Sorry. It says, For whatever things were written before, were written for our learning. 
that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1. It says the old system of living under the law presented us with only a faint shadow. A crude outline of the reality of the wonderful blessings to come. God wanted our faith to have history. So if you left if you leave out Israel from the conversation about the church, it's like watching your favorite, uh, what's your favorite series, Edger? Uh, think carefully, you're in church. <laughs> Let's say, what do you think his favorite series is, Shala? Sorry? Big Brother is not a series. I would not watch it. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry? Okay, well, Adrian, they say your favorite series Game of Thrones is Chinese. You can talk to her later. <laughs> but let's assume you, you're watching. Uh, what series? What? Uh, okay, we have already stopped that. <laughs> but BWS, you're like, you watch Black. Blackish is the. Okay, no, this is not going to get me distracted. Let's, I already have Game of Thrones. Let's work with that. What season are they, were they on? Huh? You think they finished? <laughs> Okay, so, so it's like watching Game of Thrones and starting from season four. Ah. <laughs> no, you, you will understand, but what it is is that there will be things that are said, right? And I, you know, and this is, I'm, I should have used one that I know. Uh, flatmates. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I don't, I don't, so I was going to say, so, but they will then say, and so, you know, you did summons and they're like, is that like a black prince? I, 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 really, I can't remember anything in Game of Thrones. But, friends, 24. You put on have Christian series. You put on watch any Christian. I'm ashamed of you. <laughs> no Nigerian ones either. I'm worried. <laughs> Pastor Femi, see what your people are listening to and watching. All right. No, it's okay. It's okay. Well, let's just stick with Game of Thrones. That's not even really the point of this. Focus on my... It's like watching Game of Thrones from season five. Okay, let's even assume you came season five. There would definitely be things in season five that will happen and you have no clue. You're wondering, okay, what happened? You're guessing. It's like that when you consider the church without Israel. Because God gives us Israel, a called out people, a people he sets unto himself as an example as an example, Israel has a different covenant with God. Fact. We have a different covenant. But we have, they didn't have Jesus. So they went through the motions. They would do things which the Bible says they were like a shadow. And, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. But the real substance was in Christ. So they would sacrifice and offer a blood to God. For the forgiveness of sin. But scripture says it could really not forgive sin. So the motions that Israel went through were really just talking about the things that you and I were going to experience in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. It says, Now these things happen to them as an example 
and a warning to us. The Amplified says they were written for our instruction. In fact, I think you should read it in the message translation. It says these, um, these are all warning markers, danger in our history books. Written down so that we do not repeat their mistakes. It says our positions in the story are parallel. Right? Parallel means like, you know, yeah, side by side. Well, not side by side, but you know what parallel is, yes? Just relax. <laughs> our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end. And we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. Do not be so naive and self-confident. In fact, one place, I think it's in Hebrews 4, it says the word preached to us was also preached to them. So stage one, it's like a pregnancy. The church is almost like in the womb of Israel. And I say that lightly, but understand and so when we think about the church, when we think about what First Peter here calls a spiritual nation, there was a physical nation that God had dealt with for years and still deals with that we do well to note and to watch. Because when you look at Israel... You read through Genesis all the way to Malachi and how God speaks, how Israel is birthed and how God deals with them. It's like examples for us to solve the problems that we deal with now. How do we get out of a fix? How do we trust God? How do we solve for famine? How do we what does God expect of us? When God gives them commandments, if you look at the commandments closely, you would realize he's calling them to love. He's not just setting boundaries or trying to remind them of the things that they can or cannot do. He's calling them to love. One of the beautiful things that we need to fix in our country, Nigeria, is that we really don't have a clear sense of history. And it's a shame. And, and I think there are people who need to fix that very quickly. It says the word preached to us was also preached to them. History allows us, should allow us, make better decisions. Uh, the Bible... <laughs> Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews says, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses. And I don't know who it is. I don't know how long you've been saved. But as we go through this conversation about the history of the church, will you realize that this is not, this is an inheritance that you have been given. Ephesians chapter 2, I think it's verse 6. It says that, it says we are, we've inherited the body. Would you recognize that this is not just something to feel out? This is something that was divinely ordained and has been handed over from one generation to another. 
how many times will the fathers of the faith, as they contemplated things, how many times will they say it was written? How many times will they refer to God's dealings with Israel? In fact, on the day of Pentecost, as Peter begins to try to explain what is happening, he starts to quote Joel. And then he would say, look, and David said, you read Acts chapter 2, when Stephen is facing martyrdom, he's about to be killed, he begins to speak about Israel as he tries to explain the gospel. In fact, Jesus himself, when you read Luke chapter 24, I think it's verse 27, he's walking down after his resurrection. He finds two disciples and he, they're in a fix. They don't understand what has happened. And when Jesus wants to explain the gospel to them, he says he starts from Moses and the prophets and begins to tell them about himself. When you read it, so he Luke 24, 25, 27 says, Oh foolish one of slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not that the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so we, we would, as we go through this whole series, we would see different things. For example, it should begin to make sense to you why we've got the Old Testament in Scripture. Some of us do not read the Old Testament. I mean, the truth be told, some of those books be difficult to read. You've not read Ezekiel? <laughs> huh? Leviticus. Daniel. There's some parts in Daniel. Except you're an engineer. At a part, <laughs> some parts in Daniel. <laughs> Honestly, you just, you just keep on going. There are some things in the old, because some of us are like, I'm New Testament Christian. I start from, I start from Acts. Oh, I start from, I, I like, oh, I love Ephesians. Ephesians. But there's part of your history. There's examples here. <laughs> You'll be surprised how many modern day church issues have resolution in the Old Testament. There's a young man who is dealing with sexual temptation and you think is a new thing. You might want to text Samuel or Samson rather. In the book of John, just text him, ask him, bro, hey, give me a heads up. Tell me what happened. Some other person is struggling with rejection. Ah, your siblings are, you don't know, you don't think it's God who selected them. Send an email to Joseph. Somebody you feel like you are currently locked up in a lion's den. Would you let Daniel tell you about what happened? There's something that's fairly fancy in these days. We call it big data, right? Uh, if you don't know it, you don't know it, just know it. Now let me help you. Big data. So if you want to impress them at work tomorrow, just look for a convenient way to say, well, I think this might call for big data. But you have to say it confident and quickly, you know. <laughs> and if they ask you what it means, say, well, let's, we just, we didn't need to say, we'll put a team together. But big data might be able to help us with this. All right, but don't let them ask you for details, all right? Um... <laughs> But big data simply means there's a lot of information out there. If we put it out together and we analyze it, all the IT guys are like, yeah, let's look at the definition. This is my definition. 
if we analyze it, we're able to find trends and patterns and things that are able to help us. In fact, if you then build on top of that, uh, you can then even teach machines how to... Femi, stop looking at me like that. <laughs> you can teach machines how to use that data and how to think carefully. But guess what, church? All the experiences of Israel is big data for the church. Yeah, all the experience, so all that Israel going back and forth with God. God saying, I love you. We say, and hey, we love you today. Then tomorrow is as if something just sparks in their head. You know, then they say, where is water? Eh, eh, there's no water here. You should have left us in Egypt. We're enjoying. They're like, ah, it's big data because that's what we do. Why am I not married? Why? But I've been serving, I've been ushering three years, ushering three years. Why, why am I not, not, I'm going, I'm going to a club tomorrow, I'm going. And that back and forth, that relentless, continuous love, it is big data for us, guys. That person who feels out of sorts, who doesn't understand, look, God, what are you really doing in my life? Would you look at Israel? Matthew 13, when Jesus is talking about this, he says, look, every scribe is like a disciple of the kingdom of heaven who brings out of his treasure old things and new things. What can we learn from Israel? Hebrews 4.2 says, indeed the gospel was preached to them as well as it was to us. He says, but the word preached to them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. A couple of things, and my board is quite fast. I'm just going to try and write. And somebody made a comment about how my handwriting looks or I've forgiven them. So I'm going to write today like this. Israel. That's the spelling, right? What can we learn from Israel as we think about the church? The first thing for me is how intentional God is. I think that's a spelling, but I pronounced it right, so you know that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, there's something about worship. I might say that later. There is definitely something about love. There is definitely prophecy. This one is a big one. Um, and, and we have to talk about this one and pray about this one. There is faith. Because that's in all the things that God says he's looking for from his first nation. He keeps saying unbelief was such a big deal. As we track the history of the church, as we look at Israel, who were the foreshadow, what do we pick out of it? One for me is the extent to which God will go for his own. Yep. The extent to which God will go for his own. That God will, he would move mountains, he would part seas for them. And so the church can expect God to do the same. In fact, when I was praying, preparing for this, it occurred to me that as we go from one era to another, there are certain things that we need to be able to hold God to and say, God, in the history of our fathers, this is what you did for them. 
And the Bible, Paul says, we even have a better covenant. So someone should be ready to ask God for big things. Someone should be ready to ask God to part the sea for them. Someone has been fighting a battle and using their strength. But whenever Israel went to fight, God fought for them. So, so why are you fighting this career battle yourself? Why are, you, why are you fighting this financial battle yourself? What do we learn about Israel, guys, as we think about the church? Because God is like, is like he set one of those examples. And, and I hope you know what I'm talking about. Those, those ones where they do, um, so let's say we put um, eight here. That's eight. That's eight, guys. Don't worry. It's eight. And we put um, three. It's eight, guys. Don't relax. And then we say this is 24, right? Yeah? And we say that's 24. And this is example one. All right? And then they want to set your own. And then they say five. And they put two. And they say here. Okay. X. What is X? What is X, guys? What? I'm the one that wrote it. I said it's two. Don't worry yourself. X is two. And the only reason we know X is two. <laughs> oh, X is ten. Sorry, don't worry yourself. The reason we know X is ten is because of this example. God walks with Israel and he's... So, so when we look at Israel, there are, there, are, there are shadows for the church. God will fight for Israel. God will fight for the church. God will provide for Israel. God will provide for the church. God will be jealous for Israel. God will be jealous for the church. God will lead Israel even through times when it seemed like it was a wilderness. God will lead the church. God loves Israel madly. He loves the church madly. And if you belong to the church, it is something that you must know deep within your heart. That God loves the church madly. Oh, by the way, that Israel will get to a place where they seem to forget the very essence of their relationship with God. That they will get to a place where they become very consumed with the rules and the regulations and become very religious. I should put that there. And so for the church is a warning that we too can come to a place where we become religious. Where we become very consumed with the hows and the methods and lose the very essence of the relationship. Because the Bible says, when Jesus comes to Israel, he says he came to his own, but his own could not recognize him. And so the church must constantly be in a place where they're open, we are open to what God is doing and what he's saying. One other thing I think this is this is and this is key for us is how God uses prophecy, how he uses he so God has plans, okay? I'm writing it, but don't worry. Plans. He reveals those plans in prophecy. Okay. 
And you know, people are praying. I'll put that here, but I'll explain later. That how God plans ahead for Israel. This is very important, guys. That some places he will tell them, you're going to go into a certain land, you're going to be there for 400 years. Because sometimes we think God doesn't have plans for the church. I repeat that because sometimes we behave as if God doesn't have plans for the church. And when I say the church, this is more than Life Point Church. It's more than the Elevation Church. The truth is that sometimes we are the ones who see billboards and names on the church. When God looks at his church, he doesn't see billboards. God has, sometimes he tells Israel, don't worry, a hundred years, 50 years. And I think I was telling the pastors the other day, how that the church must be a place like Israel became that is comfortable with prophecy. And not just one year prophecies. Not the prophecy that tells you what will happen this year. It's important to know what is happening now, but that, that God was constantly in the habit with Israel of telling them, ah, in 500, oh, 500. So for some of us, God is wanting to give us prophecies for 50 years. Prophecies for 20 years. That the church needs to get to a place where it values prophecy. Because historically, before the church came, there was so much prophecy about the church. So when Jesus will come, he will say, so that it will be confirmed, so that it will be fulfilled. We cannot run the church without prophecy. We cannot run church with only a one-year view or plan. You cannot run your life in Christ with only a one-year view or plan. Guys, and I know, I hope you know this, I'm, I'm, I'm very choleric, well, partly choleric, let me say very choleric, and claim what, and I like control, and benign, and very intellectual. I don't like people prophesying to me. I tell because when someone comes to me, I like, if God wants to talk to me, he can talk to me himself, that's me. Don't, that is me. And I know some of you are like that. Like prophecy. Huh. I used to be like that. But I really realized that prophecy is meant to be a reflection of God's love for us. Prophecy is meant to be a reflection of God's love for us. So there are things about the church that have already happened in the imagination and authorance of God. And I then declare, I'll tell you what I mean. When Adam sees his wife for the very first time, what does he do? He prophesies. You, follow me, you know when you're in love. Utterance, you receive utterance. You start to tell her things. I will take you to the Maldives. You don't even have passport yet. I will, I will, I will build, I will build, ah, I will build castle for you in your village. I will build a Biakuta. I will buy you a helicopter. I, you, of course, you follow me, you know you're speaking by faith. Have you not seen guys who cannot pass English in literature when they fall in love, become poetic, utterance, strange utterance, be quoting Shakespeare? How thou be it like the morning rose, your petals, one is blue and one. People just be quoting, and you're like, ha, ah, that's prophecy, guys. Deep from, from deep within, they receive spiritual. And the truth is that prophecy is proof that connection is happening. The church was never meant to be dwelling in moments 
and in small spaces of time, constantly over Israel, there was prophecy. So God will plan for the church. He would reveal it by prophecy. And then very importantly, people would pray that prophecy. What prophecies has God left over your life, church? What clues has God left for you, Ejiro? Because the same way before the church is birthed, and we, we look at that next week, is that God begins to leave clues for us. He begins to leave clues for us. He begins to say, there are people who will be able to worship me. There are people who will be able to worship me. I, I feel, prepare for that. I kept on saying, oh my goodness, that God is leaving clues for you and I about our very lives. And for a lot of us, we, we're ignoring the clues. We're ignoring them. What prophecy has God given you concerning your life? This is not just your wishful thinking. No, I'm sorry. What conversations have you and God had? Have you documented somewhere? In 1 Peter chapter 1, if you read verse 18 to 19, I'll read that in the Passion Translation. It says, So Timothy, my son, I'm entrusting you with this responsibility in keeping with the very first prophecies that were spoken over your life and are now in the process of fulfillment in this great work of ministry. It says, in keeping with this prophecy spoken of you. It says, with this encouragement, use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith. Because out of prophecy comes prayer. So when Jesus wants to you know, in Luke chapter 4, I think it is, the Bible says he found where it was spoken about him. Something had been spoken about Jesus. Something had been spoken about the church. May I say this, there, there are still prophecies and things written about Israel, about the church that have still not happened. As of a someone, you should go back and start reading Genesis, start reading Exodus. And just the dealings with God, of God with his people. Out of prophecy will come prayer. When God gives Israel a prophecy about the church, people start to pray. Simon continues to pray. Anna continues to pray. Out of prophecy comes Pentecost, guys. Joel says, on that day, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. When the church is about to be birthed, God says, Jesus says to them, he says, do not enter here, do not go here. He says, go into the upper room and he says, go and wait. And the Bible says they are gathered there, they are in prayer. And so something that pops out for me, out of this whole conversation about Israel and the church, is the fact that God will always have plans that he would speak to us about that prayer helps to birth. And I'm wondering who God is saying, I'm the one, I'm the one who created you. Not your father, not your mother. Not Nigeria. Not 
a boyfriend, not a girlfriend. I you, and you definitely did not create yourself. I'm one who is bold enough to ask God for prophecy. To ask God to reveal his plans. Colossians chapter 1, I think it's 16, says that God will fill you with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and true spiritual understanding. There are prophecies hanging over us as a country. There are prophecies hanging over us as a church, as a local assembly. There are prophecies hanging over your life. So we talk about the church. What is God wanting to do now? <laughs> Look, there's a call for people who pray. The apostles will be praying in Acts chapter 1. Essentially for me, they open up a portal for prophecy to be fulfilled. Cornelius is a man of prayer. When God wants to take the gospel, he wants to move the church. We'll look at that next week and start speaking to the Gentiles. He looks for a man of prayer. God is looking for people who will pray. God is looking for people who would pray. But as I prepared for this one, I think, and I'm going to try and wrap it up on this today, but this is like an introduction, was just this whole sense about how intentional God is. How intentional He is. Because sometimes it is possible to look at your life with all your mistakes and all your madness, occasional madness, yeah, you, you know, and, and all the things that you wish you have and all the things that you know you, you, you shouldn't have but you wish you have. And ask God why, when. God has long-term plans for the church. God has long-term plans for the church. Some of those plans, we would stumble into them by obedience. Some of those plans, we would walk into them as we follow the Holy Spirit. He says to Jeremiah, before, and as I preach about the church, for some reason, I find myself drawn to speak about an individual. Okay, That before, before you were born, I knew you in your mother's womb. And I don't know who that person is today, but God has long-term plans for you. Yeah, he has long-term plans. So your life did not take God by surprise. He didn't just show up and say, my goodness, Tony, Tony has been born. Oh, look, did you, angels, did you know that Tony, Tony has been born? No, you did not take God by surprise. Oh, the fact that you were born in Lagos, Nigeria, did not take God by surprise. It was a plan. It was intentional. You may disagree and look for Canadian passport, but it was intentional. Yeah, it was. The fact that you were this particular height and never grew taller than that, it was intentional. Yeah. The fact that that man was your father and that woman was your mother was intentional. Because a lot of times we spend energy trying to fight against the things that God wants to use. That God's plan includes you. But Israel, you know, the, the, the thing with, when God has a problem with Israel, I wonder whether he will have the problem with the same with the church. He keeps saying, guys, 
These people do not believe me. He keeps saying, these people do not believe me. Personally, I think that one of the greatest forms of worship that a man can bring before God is their faith. One of the greatest forms of worship that you can bring before God is your faith. What, what does Abraham have? What does Abraham... Abraham, God says you're going to have a child. That's where Israel comes out from. And he believes God. The Bible says he believes God and it is credited unto him for righteousness. I wonder whether people in Israel days have more faith than people in the church. Interestingly, Jesus hasn't died here, but he's died for us. And God says to you, ah, don't worry, I've got you sorted out. And, and you're unable to believe him. You're unwilling to believe him. You will come to church, yes. You will sing the song, yes. But when the chips are down, will you believe God? When God is walking with Israel, people think, oh my goodness, it's just one nation and, you know, we'll attack it and, oh my goodness, they've disobeyed God. Oh my goodness, it's just a small thing. But little did they know that in the womb of Israel is a church. Little, they, they don't, and, and that is for someone here, I, you are carrying a small thing today and it's even a turbulent thing. It's even something that's landed in the wilderness. But if you would let God tell you what you are carrying. Someone you think you are just a backup singer in the band. Oh, I'm just a bass. I just, I just back up in the band. Or someone says I'm just a software developer. But would you let God open your eyes to what it is that you are carrying? It says, so carry this treasure in earthen vessels for someone you keep on describing God's purpose by the brokenness of the cover by the challenges that you face by the enemies that you have by the mistakes that you make by the things that people say by the feelings in your heart but Israel was bigger than that Israel was bigger than that. Like close to that, I just want to remind someone that one of the things as we look at the history of the church and look at Israel is that God has been loving us for a long time. Oh. Yeah, God has been loving us for a long time. He didn't start to love you when you were born. God did not start to love us when we started doing right. Adrian, it wasn't when you put down the bottle or stopped I wouldn't say that other one that's not when God started loving you so when Paul says I pray that you would know the dimensions of God's love sometimes we say that scripture and we don't know what it means so he says that God's love has heights God's love has width it has depth it has breadth that's how long God's love is. 
for you and he knows you by name for Lake. But not only before he sends Jesus, that's not when he starts loving you. God's love for you doesn't start with the church. Oh no, God's love for you goes back to Israel. Yeah. He loves you so much that he wanted that when you came on the scene, that not only were you Christian, but you also had examples to solve. He put a great cloud of witnesses before you. And on the days when you felt lonely, that you could look at Elijah. He says, Elijah was a man of like passion. He says he prayed. Rain, rain didn't fall. He says he prayed again, rain fell. And God says, hey, did you see that? He says, I did that all for you. I don't know who it is, who needs to understand that this love affair between you and God is a long time coming. Some of you, we're still hiding. You're hiding because of what you did in the club two weeks ago. But God is not a man. God loves you beyond your foolishness and your madness. I would say you should tell your neighbor that, but I don't think they'll forgive you. So the history of the church begins to give us an idea of how much God loves us. You know, you know when someone loves you so much, I mean, there are people who love me enough. As I'm talking now, they're already planning my birthday present for this year. It's still in December. Oh, you're laughing. Be laughing there. I'm telling you. Oh, no, I'm telling you. I have people who love me that much. In fact, sometimes they, some people have planned my birthday present for next year. December 23rd, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. But, but God loves you so much. That he has been planning your life for a long time. <laughs> I feel... <laughs> so we're going to pray in the Spirit this morning. I, I, I do believe that prophecy is going to come. In fact, I was, I was in the service the other day and got jammed by prophecy. I was walking out. So I was trying to show somebody something. She looks at me and says, you're the pastor. And then where? This service is going on. This lady... I, Somebody brought their mom to church that day. She's a prophet and she's holding my hands and she's prophesying over me. This is like 15 minutes out there. I'm like, and the truth was that there were things in there that I heard that I held on to. There are prophecies over my life that I received. Where are we? We're in 2019, maybe 97 or 98 in the university. As my pastor, Audion, will look at me in the middle of service and he will say X and Y and X. It's personal prophecy. I cannot say here. Start envying me right <laughs> find your own and, he, and I cannot forget what he said anointing service that's what we used to call it on the campus We're finishing one day Pastor Demola looks at me and says ah you and he begins to, begins to talk and if I tell you the things you guys will use it against me so I'm not going to say more about that because you're not coming you know Christians are not coming I say but P, I remember that God prophesied to you that you did it so just let me deal with let me move with God at my own pace a Christian should, Paul says in 1 Timothy, he says that prophecy is for warfare. Help me ask the person next to you, what prophecies are you carrying? What prophecies are you carrying? I'm not talking about going to dance before a babalao at, uh, at the bar beach, naked, with your PhD. That's madness. Don't do that one. But I'm saying that in the, in the midst of God's people, Right? The Bible says as they worshipped, Acts chapter 13, that the Holy Spirit began to minister. So you would hear a word. I'm actually saying that there's a spirit of prophecy in this house. Yeah. 
Yeah, there is. And, and, I, and I think, so as I was, as I was coming to church, I was like, my goodness, we come to church and we're so contained. I look at some of us and I'm like, just even dance during the worship and you will not dance. And I can see you on Instagram dancing like you're David Doe's backup singer. But, but I'm like, why do we come here and you know, we just form and you're like, all oh, those tights, you know, and then God is prompting you concerning the guy beside you. He's telling, give him a word. Tell him that I have not left him. And you're just, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And you get out there, you have a flat tire because God doesn't want you to go. You say, no, I am living here. I will not be looked at as a, as a, as a, as a, and so, you know, they will look at me as if I'm being so spiritual. How can I prophesy and be drinking wine? Well, you've got to choose. You know what God is calling you to. Yeah. Yeah. Because God refuses for our lives to be lived on the whim. So when he's about to birth the church, he sends prophecies ahead. Jesus shows up, he's fulfilling prophecy. He says, these days, this fulfilled in you, in your hearing. I don't know about you, but I am called to fulfill prophecy. I don't know about you, but God has planned the life of Idris. He gave Belo Sage way before 1978 when my parents met up and, you know, did what they did to bring me here. Way before them. God had plans concerning me. He had plans concerning I don't know who you are. God has plans concerning you. Those plans do not reference the Nigerian economy. They do not reference your grace. In fact, they do not even reference what you think you did or did not do. It puts Israel as a foreshadow of the church. For someone, God has been leaving clues around you. <laughs> they started calling me pastor before I had a pulpit. I'll tell you this one, Anna. Yeah, they started calling me pastor before I had a pulpit. And even when I don't have a pulpit, I suspect I'll be pastoring. I'll tell you, it's, a, it's funny. That I remember working in a professional service firm, big one, very international one, and then people will walk up to me and they will ask for counsel about things. And then, then for some reason, there was one small room with a glass door, with a glass, all glass, small room like this, and it had a round tip. I can't, I can't tell you, this is too And then I would sit in there and I would talk to people from all different... And I remember one, one day, there was this senior of mine who had come to talk to me about her career. And then one other lady walks in and says, ah, you two, you are here. <laughs> and this was before I had an ordination, guys. Clues. What prophecy are you guys carrying? No, but I'm serious because you've been playing the drums, you've been playing, you've been playing the guitar, but what prophecy are you carrying, guys? What prophecy are you carrying? I know you are a banker, but what prophecy are you carrying? God is intentional. His love for you is not, it's a, he, this is not a informal type of love. This is not they love you because of your curves. This is not they love you because of your money. I've been baptized into his body. We've been baptized into the body of Christ. We need to know where we're coming from. And when Jesus wants to talk on the earth, he talks through us. When he wants to touch someone, he touches the person through us. He ministers through us. I know you may look at me and say, oh, he's from Benin, not very exposed. Look at how he pronounces. Look at his handwriting. But I 
have history with God. Oh, I have history with God. Tony has history with God. Ah, God, there's some conversations in the scripture that were really about you. Yeah. There are conversations in the Bible that were about you. JR has history with God. But I'm not a random statistical occurrence. I'd like us to pray in the Spirit this today. I'd like us to just pray in the Spirit. Ah, Lord, thank you. God says, I will never leave nor forsake you. I don't know who you are. I don't know who, but I, I remember what I said, that prophecy is, is, uh, is like a, an expression of God's love towards you. That he will show you his heart, you know. He will show you, Delilah says, after Samson thinks Delilah, he begins to tell her things. All right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pray in the spirit if you do, if you, if you pray in tongues. If you don't pray in tongues, just go ahead and worship God. But I'd like us to just do that and honor the one who's planned our lives. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you cannot mistake yourself out of this, guys. I want everyone, whether you're in the multimedia booth, whether you are, uh, uh, just everybody, follow me, even you just, let's just pray in the spirit a bit and then we'll, 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 we'll just worship. But I'd like us to just pray in the spirit that if God could plan Israel before the church came are you saying he forgot about your job are you saying he forgot about your spouse are you saying he forgot about your house where you would leave if he would take Jesus and he would, the Bible says he was the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the earth. So are you saying God then forgot about your happiness? I don't know who you are, but you are not an orphan. You are not left alone. For someone, God is saying, Did you not hear me shouting your name? He says, When I called Abraham and told him about the father of nations, he says, Don't you know I was talking about you? Yeah. The devil will come. He will do everything to isolate you from God's purpose, God's calling, God's identity. He says to Jesus, Did God really say, Are you sure if you are a child of God? All over this room, can we just pray in the spirit? Yeah, the Bible says, He who keeps Israel, He neither sleeps nor slumbers. Yeah, Makalaba Satareba. Yeah, man, 
Someone, I know you've fallen down. I know you've almost given up. But would you hear God himself shouting your name? He says there is a great cloud of witnesses. He says, I've done it before. He says, I've done it before. He says, I do impossible things. Would you help me this morning? Help me hold the hand of two people, one person on your left and one person on your right. And would we just pray? Would you just pray over their lives? As we are praying, we're asking that they will hear what God is doing. They will hear what God is saying. They will hear God's love. I don't, I don't know. It's almost like saying that an announcement should come. An announcement should come. An announcement should come. I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister, Lord. Let an announcement come. One word, one word from God can change a person's life forever. Why don't you release the spirit of prophecy over their lives? We will not know how God will bring it. We will not know how he will say it. But Lord, we release the spirit of prophecy in this house. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we release eyes that see. Someone needs to pray and say, Lord, when my time and my season come, I will recognize it. I will not become religious. In the name of the Lord Jesus, someone else needs to say, I'm prioritizing worship in this season. Yeah, and if you just give us if you just give us one, a couple of minutes all I want us to do is to worship God and as we worship God and I ask you all this is your biggest offering today in this five minutes to worship Him alright and as we worship Him I, I feel that God will just begin to that, that some people He wants to remind you why you have the name that you have I don't know who you are he wants to remind you why you have the name that you have. He wants to remind you why you did not die in that car crash six years ago. He wants to remind you. He wants to remind you why the day you said I was going to kill myself. Why you are still. He wants to remind you. Come on, let's worship him.
Would you take a minute and prophesy over your life? You don't need words from any man. You don't need words. But would you just prophesy over your life? For someone, you will begin to say things you never even thought about. But would you speak over your life? I challenge you to speak over your life. I ask you to speak over your life. I ask you to speak over your own life. The love over you is coming from a long way. You are not unloved. You are not forgotten. I ask you to speak over your life. For someone you are saying things about Asia. For someone God is he's just giving you words. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jesus. He's the God of Folabi. He's the God of Temola. He's the God of Ikechuku. Take another minute. Speak over your life. Speak over your life. Speak over your life. Speak over your family. Speak over your life, man. The legaboch. Speak over your life. He says, "Can these dry bones live again?" He says, "God, you know." God says, "I know." You speak. Speak over your life, church. Come on, life point. Speak over your lives. He manda rabadosha na bosha na bosha. He makalava rebeke na bosha. He marabakaba sepregedesh. Where, uh, for some reason I feel Israel is here and I don't know what, what that means but Israel is here he says sometimes you look at yourself in slavery and you can say how are we slaves how can we be God's people if we are slaves Israel is here Sometimes you stand before the Red Sea and say, how can we be God's people if the Red Sea is in front of us and the, and the Pharaoh's army is behind us? He says, how can I be God's child if there's this sickness in my body? Israel is here. And I guess you know the answer, Israel. I guess you know the answer. I know you. You know the answer, church. That God is intentional. That all things are working together for you. with the purpose of his will. I know you know the answer, Israel. That the one who watches over you, he neither sleeps nor slumbers. I know you know the answer. He says, I cannot fail. I am not a man, but I should lie. 
I know you know the answer. I know you know the answer. Is the covenant keeping God? He's I am that I am. I know that you know you know the answer. He says we look not at the things that are seen. He says they are temporary. I know you know the answer. He keeps on saying to someone, I know you know the answer. He says my records do not lie. Look at it. Look at it. He says my records do not lie. He says look at it. I know you know the answer. I know the money hasn't come, the boy hasn't come, the this hasn't come. He says, but I know you know the answer. Israel, he says, I know you know the answer. I don't know what question it is, but God says, I know you know the answer. He says, will I be healed of this? God says, I know you know the answer. He's the one who answers by fire. The one who is bigger than our mistakes and our weaknesses. The one who is bigger than our enemies. The one who is bigger than all things. I know you know the answer. I don't know what question is on your heart. But God says, I know you know the answer. Lord, is there more than this? He says, I know you know the answer. And very quickly, we go to the communion table and as we take the communion this morning, this Sunday, I ask you to just, to just trust God for the, for the best concerning you. I don't know what it is, but Jesus says, I, my blood was shed for you. My body was broken for you to bring you into the church. He says, I know you know the answer. For some of you, as you take of the communion today, prophecy will emanate. Prophecy will emanate. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.